Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 252. This week's episode is all about you because we're going to be answering your Royal Caribbean emails that you've sent me about a variety of topics, including shore excursions, when to book a cruise, travel agents, and everything else in between. So let's get into your emails this week. Here we go. Royal Caribbean seems to change a lot these days, almost to the point it's overwhelming for some people, and that's actually a good thing because there's so much to do, see, and yes, eat on a Royal Caribbean cruise that it means you're compelled to cruise again and again in an effort to do it all. And with that, it also brings up a lot of questions and a lot of challenges for a lot of people. And I get so many of those questions from you all the time in person, on our weekly Facebook Live sessions, email, or even on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards. And because of that, I like to share the answers, not just with people that ask them, but with all of you as well, because I think it will not only help them, but everyone listening have the best possible cruising experience and maybe even introduce you to something you never thought of doing or seeing or eating before. So this week, I'm going to open up the always overflowing Royal Caribbean blog podcast inbox and try to answer as many questions as I possibly can. And if you'd like to have your email included in an upcoming show, of course, you can always do so by sending me an email to Matt, M-A-T-T, at Royal Caribbean blog. Com. Our first email this week comes to us from Alex Kaufman, who writes, uh, Regarding your last episode about the Crown and Anchor Society, we feel Diamond Plus benefits change as you advance. At Diamond Plus, you get the gift initially, and then double gifts at 350 points, triple gifts at 525 points. Diamond Plus can get you a bridge tour and a backstage tour as well. And at 340 points, we get lunch with an officer on cruises longer than five days, and oftentimes, no single supplement fee. And don't forget the crystal blocks. Alex, thank you for reminding me about all those actually great benefits of Diamond Plus. You're absolutely right. I did glaze over, I think, the Diamond Plus benefits to some extent. Um, I'm not sure why, actually. There are some really good ones. I think that a lot of them obviously still blend a lot with Diamond, in my opinion. But, Alex, you are 100% right that once you get to Diamond Plus, it's not just the same old benefits at the beginning of Diamond Plus as it is if you're one point short of Pinnacle. It continues for quite a while. So that is a really good point, and I appreciate you bringing that up there. All right, let's keep things rolling with our next emails from Scott McClure of Illinois. Where it's, hey, Matt, love your podcast. I wanted to share a quick recap of our short Vision of the Seas cruise. This would be just my wife and I leaving our seven-year-old at home. We chose a four-night based on schedule and vision out of Galveston fit the bill largely based on price. Based on lower costs compared to the other cruises out of Florida, we decided to go for it and even upgraded to a Grand Suite for the very first time. Due to leaving the day after Easter and not wanting to leave family, we did the big no-no and booked flights for the morning of the cruise. We had zero wiggle room with time and knew this was a risk, but we took it and it worked out perfectly. Flying into George Bush in Houston from the time our plane pulled up to the gate until we were in our suite was two hours. We used Uber to get to and from the ports. I really feel it saved us time and was a reasonable price, about 80 bucks. Our flight home left at 10.45 a.m., so we, were, we carried our luggage off the ship at 7.15 and still had an hour to spare at the airport. Since we embarked in mid-afternoon, we had no lines to deal with. Vision is a great ship, older and small, but still lots to offer, no regrets in sailing at all. Sweet Life is great. Our concierge, Rhino, interesting name, emailed us a week prior to offer any services to us. He was great. My wife has several food allergies, and garlic is a severe allergy, so he was key in helping to get the word out prior to our cruise. Three of four nights we did specialty dining, but the night we did the main dining room, the staff was amazing with her allergy. The head waiter and sous chef both met with her to find out what she wanted to eat and made her dishes separate without garlic. They were great. We, uh, Izumi was amazing. We ate there for the very on the very first night. 
My wife is a big sushi fan, but I wasn't, so I did the hot rock, which was great. The next day, our concierge made us reservations for the sushi class. I wasn't really excited to do it, but wanted to do it as a couple. The class was a blast. I learned so much and left there extremely full and a fan of sushi. We decided we needed to eat at Izumi on night four also. Since we ate a ton of sushi at lunch, I didn't. I again did the hot rock, but also asked for spaghetti bolognese in the main dining room, and they brought it up, no questions asked. Finally, a couple of observations here. The attention from the staff on a small ship is definitely at a different level compared to the large ships. Everyone from the captain on down was very approachable and genuinely seemed to care about every guest on board. Captain Merrick is also known as the singing captain, and we enjoyed his entertainment at the center one evening. Sweet Life is very nice. Between the concierge, huge stateroom, captain's reception, bridge tour, sweet lounge, and other special assistance, we loved and can't wait to try it again. Once the ship, uh, on this ship at least, it was worth every penny. For the drink package, we did it and don't necessarily regret it, but with the utilization of the Sweet Lounge drinks, I think we could have skipped the package to save money, but having the prepaid drinks available anytime was really nice. Do not get back late to the ship with Captain Merrick at the helm. He did wait a bit for a party of four, but left another couple behind. The funny part, three separate times over the rest of the cruise, he called out the party of four by name over the PA system, first name only, for being late. I found it pretty funny, but I'm sure it was embarrassing. Overall, great cruise, but too short. Well, we would do it again. Scott, thank you for the email, dude. This is a great wrap-up. A couple things I wanted to bring up here, because I think you bring up some interesting points. And uh, let's start at the top. First of all, what Scott did with flying in the morning of his cruise, Scott, I am so happy it worked for you. And it's obviously you're able to make the cruise. That's wonderful. But I still am going to use Scott's example of something not to do. I know it's crazy. Don't fly in the day of your cruise. Bottom line. Because if, and Scott knew it, and he, he alluded to it in his email, to be fair. But if there's any kind of delay, right, your, your flight's delayed, canceled, there's a thunderstorm somewhere, I don't know what, you know, there's maintenance being worked on your airplane, and it results in a delay, I mean, you're really risking your entire cruise vacation in order to make it there. And cruise insurance or not, right, travel insurance or not, it that doesn't matter. You're still going to be disappointed not going on the cruise, and it's a huge hassle to go through it, you know, to get that money back. But again, it's not worth it. Come in at least a day before the cruise. Enjoy a little bit of what the port has to offer uh, from, you know, what the city has and everything. And I'll start your vacation a little bit earlier. And give yourself a lot less anxiety about it. Again, it worked out for Scott. I'm really glad to hear that. There's lots of people it has worked out for in the past. But if you're considering booking a cruise, like, number one thing, when you're planning when you're going to get there, do yourself a favor. It's just not worth that kind of anxiety. Uh, also, Scott mentioned the sweet life, and it is really nice. As someone who's gone back and forth between sweets and no sweets, I totally understand exactly the deal, especially when you're on a ship in which you can get a really good deal on a suite. Certainly the older Royal Caribbean ships, the Vision class, the Radiance class, heck, even the Voyager class, and I'm even going to throw in the Freedom class, you know, the, those kind of suites, there are times, especially if you're going on off times of the year, you can find some really good deals on suites. It's just one of those things you got to play a game and kind of figure it all out, but I, I think that, number one, if you've never stayed in a suite before, I know, and I was up like this before, where I was like, sweets? I can't afford that. That's crazy talk. And you know what? If you're looking over, you know, cruising for Christmas or summer or, you know, high demand time, certainly I think you're going to see a lot of the same in terms of pricing. But it never hurts to look, especially when you've got family, especially when you're doing things like Scott mentioned, the drink package. And when you're staying in a suite, I don't blame you one bit for thinking the drink package wasn't worthwhile. This is the same kind of conversation I have with myself about drink packages and being a Diamond member because we get also complimentary drinks each evening. It's very similar to what the sweets guests guests get, I should say. And I'll tell you that it makes, you know, you can, there's a lot of arguments makes. Going in a suite is rarely ever a value proposition like, oh, 
I will actually save money by going to suites. Not to that point. But it can help offset a lot of different expenses. I often like, my favorite thing about staying in a suite is the convenience factor, especially with kids. You know, the concierge will go out of their way for a lot of different things. Uh, priority embarkation really makes a big deal. When you're at a particular port, usually the concierge will escort sweet guests off the ship, oftentimes before other guests. It just makes it a whole lot simpler, especially especially if you're going to a port in which there are tendering operations where you don't dock or there's a, you know, those tender boats have to come take you to the shore. Like, that alone is worthwhile. So, you know, there are a lot of different little things. And certainly the extra space is wonderful. Uh, having special areas on the ship is really nice as well. So, you know, it, it's it's addicting, Scott, in the sense that now once you have a taste for it, man, it's, you know, people say it's hard to go back. I think it's fine. I mean, it's, be, it's a cruise is better than no cruise. And certainly, you know, we can, <laughs> we can find our way around in just a regular balcony or even an interior room. But it is pretty darn nice, I gotta tell you. It's uh, And I'm really glad to hear also, Scott, that not only you joined Izumi, but also that you found the staff really approachable and friendly on board. I think in general, Royal Caribbean staff is very good across the board, no matter which ship you're on. I think when you're on a smaller ship, the because you see a lot of the same staff members around the ship, because of the, the nature, you know, it's a smaller ship, you're gonna see them around, rather than, you know, when you're on an Oasis-class ship and... You may not see the same bartender or, you know, same uh, person at, at a show necessarily every single day. You know, on a smaller ship, you just see them a lot more. So you get more personalized attention because they remember you, right? Oh, it's that guy who, you know, who liked this drink one way and we had a nice conversation about, you know, uh, something else. Who knows what? But I just feel like that kind of lends itself toward that. And so I can understand why you may think that. I certainly have had great service across the board. Uh, big, small, medium, large, you know, it's... They all have really great crew members across the board. But, Scott, I'm so glad you're here. You had an awesome time on Vision of the Seas. And there's nothing like a – you did a four-nighter. I know we love those seven-night uh, cruises. You know, get a little more. But the opportunity for a, for a getaway cruise where you can just kind of, you know, it, it's kind of like a long weekend kind of thing, it's really nice. It really does make a big difference. All right, next email. We have an email from Jessica Stevens. Right. Hi, Matt. I've been saving money for about two years to purchase a cruise as a gift for my husband's 30th birthday. I just purchased it for next January. This is my first cruise, so I'm not sure about embarkation day. We're traveling to on Oasis of the Seas, and it's supposed to return to Port Canaveral at about 6 a.m. I wanted to book our flight home at 12.20 p.m. in Orlando International Airport. Is this cutting it close? What time should we realistically be off the boat and through customs? Typically, when we travel, the logistics are his thing because this is a gift. I can't get his input on it. Jessica, what an awesome gift. And 12.20 is fine. Great. Wonderful. In fact, you'll have no problem hitting that one. Uh, you know, because Orlando's airport from Port Canaveral is about with no traffic. And certainly Oasis comes back on weekends. So there's rarely ever any traffic on the highway to get over there. Because it's basically just a straight shot from the port to the airport. You know, you're talking about uh, 45 minutes or so. Maybe an hour. Depends, again, on who's driving. But... To get there by, for a 12-20 flight, you'll have no problems at all, Jessica. Uh, you know, when would you run into a problem? Where's that? Where does it begin? 11 a.m. flight, I might tell you, you'd have to be one of the first people off the off the ship in order to make it there. Uh, or give yourself enough time. I mean, I'm one of these people, look, you're, before we give you times, I should probably mention, I'm one of those people that I always get to the airport. Jeez. I mean, anything before two hours before my flight, I start getting a little, like, nervous, even though... That's ridiculous, right? For domestic airfare, like, I mean, it's just, you know, you know, we all know that's not, uh, you know, that that important. But, you know, I like to be there with more than enough. I would rather sit at the, at the, at the gate and check my phone endlessly than be one of those people sweating and, and have all that anxiety about, oh, gosh, am I going to make the flight or not? And, you know, starting to lose my mind in the security line because it's taking too long. 
it's just not worthwhile. I think anywhere from about 11, 11.30 a.m. onwards is is very doable for most people. Start up for the 12.20 flight. I mean, you can really take your time in the morning to make it off the ship and then, you know, get over there. So you'll have no issues there whatsoever. And what an awesome gift, Jessica. That is a great 30th birthday gift. I'm just saying I'm not 30 anymore, but I would love that gift as, as a birthday present. Next, we have an email from Hope and Dwayne Burdeen from Greenville, South Carolina. We're taking our very first Royal Caribbean cruise on a waste of the seas, largely due to listening to your podcast, fan of your former podcast as well. We've reserved a beach cabana on Labadee and wondered if they are assigned when booked or do you choose one when you get there? If given a choice, would you have a recommendation? Just watch the YouTube video and the guess which cabanas during the day prompting the question. Uh, that's a really good question, actually. They do it. They do assign in advance. I mean, usually, like, let me put it this way. When I get there, when I booked a, a cabana, usually it's already pre-selected for me. It's not like uh, they ask me necessarily which one. I will say there's sometimes leeway because, A, they're not always booked in terms of, like, you know, uh, this one's available and this one's available. Do you have any preference or anything like that? Uh, you can certainly go and ask about it. One thing you can do is go to the Shore Excursions desk prior to getting to Labadee. So, you know, if you get to Labadee on day three or day four, go down there on day one or day two, whenever you got some time, and go talk to the Shore Excursion staff and say, hey, I booked a cabana. I was just wondering if I could, you know, pre-select which cabana I get. Because within each category, whether you're talking about over-the-water cabanas, beach cabanas, hilltop cabanas, there are multiple cabanas available. Most people, I don't think, well, maybe it's just me, don't bother coming in to ask for a particular one. I think, quite frankly, they're all very similar. And, you know, one the location of one or another is... Uh, I think largely perception more than anything. I don't think there's like, there's not like, oh, don't stay in cabana number four. Like that's some, no, it's just, you know, you might prefer the view of one or another, but anyway, you can certainly go to the short excursion desk and talk to them there and they can assist you. If you have a particular request that you may have, they may tell you, you know, Hey, we'll do the best we can. But in my experience, it usually comes through. So you shouldn't have too much trouble there. Next, we have an email from Daniel Stober from Harriman, Utah. Hi, Matt. Listening to episode 244, comparing Royal Caribbean to Disney. And I just heard a discussion about value, and I stopped to send this to you even before finishing the podcast, so don't forget to write you. Fred said on the podcast that his cruise on Anthem of the Seas was taken over New Year's holiday. Do you happen to know what time of year they sailed the Disney Fantasy? The numbers for total expenditure that he tossed out were $10,000 for Disney versus about $6,000 for Anthem, which made the price gap sound smaller than usual and more palatable. New Year's is the second most expensive week of the year, while $10,000 for five people sounds more like a typical week for Disney fairs. Just saying. That's a really good point, Daniel. And I think I think what you're trying to say, I think, is that the, the gap was narrowed by the fact that he went on New Year's as opposed to pretty much almost any other time of the year. You would have had a much wider price gap because the price of that Anthem Cruise would have been cheaper uh, than what he paid for, for New Year's Eve. That's a really good point, actually. And look, you guys have heard me go on and on and on about, you know, the, the huge price gap between Disney and Royal Caribbean. And I think to me, you can make any argument you want about Disney Cruise Line. I will never get over the price the, the, the price gap. We're not talking about, you know, $1,000 or $2,000. We're talking about thousands of dollars. And that's a big deal. Like, I mean, you know, just in this example here that Daniel cited, right? 6000 versus 10000 That's $4,000. That is a solid Royal Caribbean cruise right there that you can probably pay for instead of that one Disney cruise. And I know that money is, in the end, all be-all of everything. You know, certainly, you know, there's, there's, you know, there are a lot of considerations that go in, in, into it. But again, my thing, what I've always said about Disney and, and Royal Caribbean is that the experiences are very similar. There are certainly things that Disney does well. There's certainly things that Royal Caribbean does well. And 
but, the, but at the end of the day, the differences between the two cruise lines is not that large. It's not a huge, like, oh, you know, Disney is so much better than Royal, right? No, it's not that. They're just, again, there's certain aspects that one does better than the other, but they're very similar experiences. So why would you want to pay thousands of dollars more? I'm not talking about, you know, a little bit more, right? It's just thousands. Like, to me, uh, I, I, I... It, it hurts my brain because I have friends who I dearly love who will have this conversation with me and they just don't see it. They're just like, I, I really don't know how they see it. They just go like, no, it's Disney, man. It's, you know, you don't understand. It's so magical. And they smile. And it's, I'm just like, do you think they spit on you here? No, I, I know they don't. But I, uh, yeah, can you tell me it drives me crazy? Anyway, Daniel, thank you for the email. You're absolutely right. I think, and my hope is actually, I'm going to try to get Fred on another Royal Caribbean cruise, maybe one of the Royal Caribbean blog group cruises that we're doing, because maybe that'll be an opportunity for him to get another reboot at this. You know, maybe it's like the Spider-Man movies. You know, they did like three different Spider-Man franchises, right? There was the, uh, you know, the ones in the early 2000s, and there was that British guy who did it, and now they're up to, you know, they've rebooted it three times. Maybe Fred just needs like third times the charm or whatever it is for him in order to really understand it, get it, and truly appreciate it. All right, next, time for our next email, and it's going to be coming to us from Murph, who writes, I'm going on the uh, Royal Caribbean blog group cruise in March on Mariner of the City, shameless plug. I was wondering about the best way to get from Miami Airport to the port. Uh, Royal Shuttle, cab, or maybe you coordinate some group cruise, share a cab. Thanks. Actually, sharing a cab wouldn't be a bad idea. In fact, it probably would be the cheapest option, Murph. It's hard to just coordinate that because it's timing, right? When What time do you get... What time do you need it versus someone else? I will tell you, though, in general, I'm trying to think of an example where this is not the case, but from getting from the port to the airport or, or vice versa, a taxi slash Lyft slash Uber option is probably your best choice. There are some ride sharing options that are out there that, you know, allow you like there's like a shuttle service or... Um, some other things that maybe uh, certainly buses. The Royal Caribbean transfers are an option, but I feel like the, the taxi option is certainly the simplest, easiest, and most convenient option that's out there. So when you're trying to get from Miami's airport to Port Miami, I'm going to tell you, Murph, straight off the bat, get yourself a, a cab, you know, or a Lyft or, or a or Uber, whatever your preference is. But I think that's going to be your best solid bet to do that. Certainly, one of the things you can do, Murph, is if you can figure out before the cruise, someone who's coming into the airport at the same time as you, well, then you can coordinate that and maybe join up at the airport. But I think, you know, if it were me, Murph, honestly, and, and if I have to wait more than about 10 minutes for somebody, I'm going to say, forget about it. I'm just going, I'll pay the extra money. I just want to go. I don't want to stand around. I want to get to the cruise. So it's, it's tough to coordinate. But if you can, sure. That, I mean, that, that really helps split up the cost of it uh, considerably. But Lyft Uber is the way that I would do it, certainly. I think it's your best bet there, Murph. And thank you for the email, as always. Murph's got some great emails. He's been a long-time listener. Let's keep it going with another list, long-time listener. We've got Derek, writes, Matt, in 2010, when I was heading back from service in Iraq, my wife, Angela, who's my girlfriend at the time, and I wanted to make plans for a nice vacation upon my return. Neither one of us had ever cruised. I know it was something I at least wanted to try. I booked us on adventure this season at a San Juan. We had no idea what to expect and no idea what we were doing. The moment we stepped onto the ship, drink of the day in hand, I looked at Angela and told her, this is what we do now. And that first impression carried through the entire trip. It was incredible and a perfect experience. We have since continued cruising with Royal Caribbean, of course. It gives us something to look forward to during the colder months here in Michigan. 
Sometime between our first and second cruise, I discovered your website. I always enjoy scrolling through it whenever I have a cruise booked. Recently, my wife and I booked a family cruise on Anthem of the Seas for March of 2019. I again took to the internet for research. This time, I stumbled upon your podcast. I must tell you, I am hooked. I listen on my commute to and from work, and whenever I am driving in general, listening to your podcast has compelled me to pledge $5 per month in appreciation to the Royal Cream Blog Insider Program for the knowledge and entertainment you provide. Questions regarding our 2019 cruise. Our first stop is Port Canaveral. We plan to take our girls two and six at the time of sailing to Disney for the day. What are the cheapest options for transportation? So far, I've reserved a large rental van for our party of 11. It'll come out to about $150 total. I just don't know if it's the fastest or cheapest option. Also, being a Florida resident, do you have any advice on discounted park tickets? We also stop at Nassau and Coco Cay. I looked right at Atlantis. We heard there's a hotel you can rent a room there and get complimentary access to Atlantis for much cheaper. Is this something you have experience with? Thanks again. First and foremost, Derek, thank you for your service to this country. It is incredible what you do because I, I tell you, I can't do what you did. And I really appreciate it. And all Americans certainly uh, appreciate what you do, Derek. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your service. That's the most important thing I can take from your email. Certainly, I, I, I'm so honored that you find this podcast and, and RoyalCreamBlog.com helpful to the point that you've decided to help support it by becoming a Royal Cream Blog insider. And I'll post a link in our show notes at RoyalCreamBlog.com on uh, information on how you can become an insider and also support this podcast, keep it going. Actually, uh, there's also the potential to get access to like, these podcast episodes a day early, depending on how much you donate at. But Derek, thank you so much for everything you do. And uh, again, the fact that you find this podcast helpful is wonderful. That, that's beyond words because your service is way more important than some dumb podcast I record about taking a cruise. All that being said, let me answer your questions. Going to Disney World, I'm telling you right now, Derek, is a mistake. What do I mean by that? Not that Disney is a bad place to go. Far from it. But the way you're going to do it is not the way to do it. My advice, Disney World is, if you think Royal Caribbean is complex, Disney World takes you to like the 17th level above that. There is so much going on. It is so crowded these days and it's so expensive these days. It's, I hate to say it this way, you're going to waste your money by doing it because you're going to be behind the eight ball nearly from the get-go. Because of the, by virtue of the fact, by the time where your ship docks in Port Canaveral, you won't get there before park opening. You're going to have a limited amount of time in the parks before you have to get back to Port Canaveral for the cruise. It's not the way to do it. If you want to go to Disney World, my advice is save your money, come down for another for a land vacation. Heck, better yet, Derek, book a Royal Caribbean cruise out of Port Canaveral and then come down like a couple days early and do a Disney World vacation beforehand. It is far better for you to do it that way. It's better value. You're going to get a lot more done, and you're going to get a lot more satisfaction out of it. Now, if you insist on going about this plan, I'm certainly will give you an answer, but I want to give you a fair warning. It's not what I would recommend. Uh, in terms of cheapest options, because you guys have such a large party, a rental car is the only option you've got. One thing to keep in mind is keep checking those prices. The prices for rental cars tend to actually go down over time. It's a weird phenomenon. I think they just get... There's so many rental cars in Florida that at some point they kind of like, oh, no one's really renting these things. So the price tends to drop. Not always, but tends to. So keep an eye on those prices. I also recommend a website called like Autoslash, which allows you to basically type in your dates and they will actually reprice it for you. They don't. It doesn't cost you anything. I frankly have no idea how they make money on this. I assume there's a commission involved on their end, but who knows? Anyway... Basically, it's like instead of booking it directly through, you know, the re- the car rental company, you book it through Auto Slash, and then magically one day at like 3 a.m., you get an email like, hey, we repriced your, your rental, and now it's $3 cheaper, $10 cheaper, $50 cheaper. Who knows? That's definitely the way to go. But because you have such a large party, the, the only, there's only two realistic options. One is a rental car, and two is to go through a Royal Caribbean excursion because obviously they're going to give you a bus there. 
But again, in either case, you're going to be behind that eight ball timing-wise. And certainly, Derek, uh, if you want to send me an email, I'll be happy to go through kind of the, the more deeper logistics of it. But I'm telling you, buddy, it's not the way to go. Now, if you want to get a Disney experience, if you're saying, look, look, two things. Number one, if this is your only time ever going to be, be able to go to Disney World and there's no other time, okay, then you have no choice. you got to do it, and that's okay. Um, you know, you can make you can do with the best with what you got. Uh-huh. But if you're going to come back for a land vacation, the thing you can't get actually a Disney fix in for your day and have a lot of fun. One thing that actually is a really good alternative is the Disney water parks that are available. There are two Disney water parks, Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon. I'm going to give a shout out to my good friends at touringplans.com because Laurel and Len, actually I think Laurel recommended, forget Len, Laurel recommended this this tip for me for cruise guests. Because of the, the water park hours are slightly different than the than the theme parks it's a lot easier to get to the water parks for a uh, for a, just like a day like you're doing here that might be the happy medium and certainly you can book your tickets there in terms of gen- being generally speaking in terms of discounted park tickets Disney World does not discount its tickets the only times you can get real discounts on them are from places like AAA or reputable sources but even that we're talking about a couple of dollars um, I will post a link in our show notes to again my, fr- my friends at touringplans.com they have the lowest ticket calculator and they can give you a pretty good recommendation of where to book your tickets from that's what I use when I want to get day tickets but it, for Disney World discounted tickets are a myth they don't really exist uh, Disney World just it, because they're Disney World they don't have to offer them some other th- attractions in the area may offer discounted tickets because they have to but Disney World is not one of them uh, in terms of Nassau, yes, actually, your uh, idea to go to Atlantis, because, again, you have such a large group, you have more than, I would say, five or six people going to Atlantis. Instead of booking the excursion where you pay a per-person rate to get access to Atlantis, it's actually a better idea to book a hotel room at Atlantis, because, after all, Atlantis is a resort. Book a hotel room, and you check in just like you would for if you were actually staying, except you don't actually stay there. You'll check in, do whatever you're doing. You'll have a, It's nice also you have a room to sleep or shower or just hang out in. And then at the end of your day, when you need to get back to the ship, you just check out and that's it. And that's a lot better option because, again, the room includes uh, admission for a certain amount of people to the resort. Now, you have 11 people, you mentioned, so you might need more than one room. I don't know how that works, but look at the math on it. Don't assume that the excursion is a better idea, but you're absolutely right, Derek, about uh, that idea of getting a room instead of just straight up excursions. I got to think one way or the other that's going to save you money. So good stuff. Thank you for your email again. Let's keep things going with our next email. It is from Haley Cameron of Winnedote, Michigan. Winnedote? From Michigan. Haley writes, I know I've heard you mention that before. If you're moving up a tier in the middle of your cruise, that you'll be the level throughout the whole cruise. So, for example, I'm currently gold with 26 points. And then I'm going on a seven-day cruise in June that will bring up to 30 points needed for platinum. I just did my online check-in, and my boarding passes still say gold. Do you know when I will see this change? I look forward to the podcast every week. Thanks for what you do. Haley, thank you for the email. You will see the change after you complete that sailing. So again, you're, let's use your example. You're 26 points, which is gold. And then obviously in the middle of your seven-night cruise, you're going to hit 30, which will be platinum. Nothing's going to change during that sailing. It'll be after that sailing. It usually takes about, I think Royal Caribbean says about 14 days, two weeks, to change the uh, status there. So eventually at some point when you log into your account on Royal Caribbean's website, magically you will see the new status appear there. And then going forward, you're all set. Now, one other thing you want to... This is a good tip. I'm glad you brought this up, Haley, because if you are a gold member and you're booking cruises in advance, because you're a good Royal Caribbean blog podcast listener, you love booking cruises in advance, but you know you got your 2019, 2020 cruises coming up, right? Now you're going to be platinum by, let's say, later this summer. One thing you can do is potentially is reprice those cruises once you become platinum 
uh, with your Crown and Anchor discount because being a Crown and Anchor Society member, one of the things you do when you get to Platinum is you get a balcony discount. And that can certainly factor and potentially change the price of your cruise and save you some money. So keep that in mind. Uh, when you get back, you can talk to your travel agent about taking advantage of that. The issue with the balcony discount, sometimes it's in lieu of uh, another discount that's available. And as is often the case, sometimes a lot, not all discounts are combinable. So you may have to say, well, you know, would you rather have the balcony discount or the particular booking promotion Royal Caribbean's offering? In a lot of cases, the booking promotion is a better deal than the balcony discount. But you never know. Sometimes it's uh, it's a great deal, especially if you're doing like last-minute cruises or things in which the uh, potential uh, promotion being used is not that lucrative. So, Haley, thank you for the email. Next is an email from John who writes, Really enjoy your podcast and enjoyed your recent Disney vs. Royal Caribbean episode. It was top quality. I have a question. Last August, we booked a 14-night cruise with Royal Caribbean, and we liked it so much that we wanted to book another cruise when we were on board. I didn't think that my travel agent was very good. When I listened to the offers from your travel agent and how they help with information on excursions, etc., I felt that mine wasn't as good into looking after our needs. That said, when we booked on board for the following year, Royal Caribbean insisted that since we had booked with a travel agent, that we had to choose that travel agent again, or that they would get in contact with us. I was disappointed to hear this. The travel agent didn't contact us for weeks after the cruise, and somehow messed up certain details. Is this normal that Royal Caribbean keeps you tied to one travel agent, and it's possible to change travel agent after booking? Another thing is that since we're selling from the UK, our next cruise was priced in UK and not in Euros again. But I put my correct home address into the Royal Caribbean website. I can pay in euros. However, since I'm with a travel agent, I can't pay directly. So now I seem to be tied to a travel agency and a currency that I'm not entirely happy with. Since my, all my excursions are priced in pounds instead of the euro. Do you think this is possible to change as well? Many thanks. John, thank you for the email. I will freely admit that the rules may be different for the UK. But there's a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, when you book on board a ship on via Royal Caribbean's next cruise office, you do not have to use your current travel agent you booked with. By default, that happens. That's like, uh, they make it simpler, because most people, I think, want to keep using the same travel agent. But I know for a fact, John, because I've done this before, but again, I'm an American, where I was able to say, oh, I, you know, we're sitting in the next cruise office, say, I'd like to book this particular sailing, but I don't want you to tie it to my travel agent. I want it, this to be an individual reservation. This has happened before in, in a separate situation. I won't go into details, but just know that I've done it before. You should be able to do that as well. Number two, you do have the option of actually separating yourself from the travel agent. There's a form you can fill out, because I've done this as well, where you f- send a form over to Royal Caribbean. Basically, what happens is you say, I don't want to use my travel agent anymore, but they're tied to this reservation. And you fill out this form. The, re- the form has to be signed out, has to be filled out by the travel agent also. So it's kind of awkward. But you, as long as they sign off on it, then they will, quote unquote, release the reservation back to you. So that at that point, it's on your own. And then, theoretically, you can then roll it to another travel agent. Now, again, you're in the U.K., so the rules, I know, are a little bit different for booking with a travel agent in the U.K. than they are in the U.S., so you want to check in with a couple different things here. Number one thing you probably want to do, if I were you, John, based on what I'm hearing, is call Royal Caribbean, you know, and, and tell them exactly. You say, I want to, I have this reservation, I'm not happy with my travel agent, can I <laughs> divorce myself of this relationship and get the reservation back to myself? That's number one. That's what I would start with. Assuming that's the case, then potentially you could then transfer to another agent. I think potentially because I know that the rule technically is you can only transfer a reservation to a travel agent within 60 days of the initial booking. I suspect you're past that point already. But I'm wondering if by taking the reservation back, that magically resets that countdown. I don't know. These are things you want to talk with the travel agent. Number two, and possibly even a better option to 
start this whole conversation is find that other travel agent you want to work with. Explain your current situation. Tell them what I just told you about being able to separate yourself. See what they say because they ha- a lot of times the, one of the huge advantages of a travel agent is their is their knowledge of of what it offers, what they what they their experiences. Right? They have contacts within Royal Caribbean. They certainly have been there, done that, and that can benefit you because you're going to have an opportunity to stand on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. And they may be able to guide you through this process of you know, taking yourself out of travel agent one. And maybe they'll say, look, we can't bring you over to tra- to us on this particular sailing, but going forward, we can set you on up there. And your last point about the changing currencies, I have no idea. I've never tried to do this before. So if anyone here who's listening has an idea for John about switching currencies in an existing reservation, I would love to hear it. Please send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, or, and or you can post your answer on the uh, comments for this week's episode as well to help John out. I'm sure others, I know people have done this before. I know a lot of times Canadians do this where they book want to book in U.S. dollars instead of Canadian, depending on the exchange rate. But uh, if you have experience with this and have a good answer for John and what's possible, please uh, share it with us here by either posting in the comments or sending me an email, and I'll read it on a future episode coming up. Next up, we have an email from Mark Cavanaugh from Salem, Oregon. Hi, Matt. My wife and I are excited. We just booked a cabin in the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise over New Year's Eve 2019 into 2020 out of San Juan. It'll be our first cruise. Sandy from MEI Travel was helpful in our reservation. We live in Oregon, and I know that there is a group cruise in June to Alaska. Sadly, we could not join that cruise, although we did an Alaska cruise last year. My wife and I are wondering if you were planning a meetup in Seattle before or after the cruise. We vote for after since you come back on a Friday. Lastly, our next cruise is next March 2018, a 13-day New Zealand cruise from Sydney on the Ovation of the Seas. Can't wait! One oddity for it, though, the cruise planner is populating with shore excursions for all our stops, except for Dundon. Is I don't know, I'm saying that right? Is Dunedin? Dundon? Dunedin? Anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, is Dunedin or Dundon or whatever this port is uh, in Dundon? There is a train. I know I'm butchering it. I I can just hear people typing me emails now. Matt, it's pronounced Dunedin or Ye Old Dunedin. I don't. Anyway. In this particular port, there is a train ride that leaves from the dock, not unlike the train in Skagway, Alaska, and all the recommendations I could find say that for this particular train ride should be booked through the cruise ship. I've also heard that it can sell out. Should I contact Royal Caribbean to ask what is happening or just wait a few more weeks? Really enjoy your podcast. It helps us get through the uh, desert between cruises. like it. First and foremost, let me say I'm excited that you booked the Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise. That's going to be an awesome one. That's Freedom of the Seas, December 2019 into 2020. My first time celebrating New Year's Eve on a Royal Caribbean ship, and we get to do it together. That's going to be awesome. And again, I think I already mentioned this earlier, but if you're looking for more information about this and any of our group cruises, go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. We are doing a pre-cruise meetup on June 21st in Seattle. Yes, that is a Thursday, uh, but it'll be Thursday night. Mark, I'm, I know that's not terribly convenient but we are doing one it's open to anybody who wants to join us it's uh june 21st 2018 at the holiday inn express city center in the lobby there at 226 aurora avenue i there's a i'll post a link in our show notes again to uh, more information about the group cruise meetup and you're more than welcome to join us there mark if you can make it that would be super awesome we are staying after the cruise but i wasn't planning on doing a meetup i kind of I should think about it. But as of right now, we're doing the pre-cruise meetup because, of course, the most people are going to be there before the cruise anyway. So that's kind of why we organize it there. But I hope you can make it there because that would be super, super awesome. Now, in regard to your email about the train, I'm not sure if you're asking me. I'm not even going to try to say the name anymore. But 
Is your question like, why isn't the tour showing up at all? Or is it only, the, or is it better to book through the cruise line? Uh, there are some excursions that we found over the years, very few, but somewhere that's like you have to book through the cruise line or it is cheaper to book through the cruise line. One I remember was the Skyway tour in St. Thomas. I remember was actually cheaper through the cruise line, which just boggles my mind, of course, because it's like, how was that possible? How was it possible to be cheaper on the cruise ship, right, versus going to the actual booth at the attraction and booking it there? I mean, clearly there's going to be a commission at some point, but hey, it is what it is, and they're doing it, so okay. Um, So if you don't see I'm not sure if you're... um, I think you're asking why you're not seeing any stops there. If you're not seeing any excursions for a particular port, you just have to keep waiting around. Eventually, it will show up. Now, if you're seeing some but not all, you can certainly try calling. I mean, one of the th- unfortunately, one of the issues Railgreen's running into these days, and it's quite frankly, there's no excuse for it, is their website is very flaky. Uh, there are so many problems that have been... People have said, oh, Matt, I'm on the website right now, and something's not loading, or I'm not seeing this, and then magically it shows up like... 24 to 48 hours later when you just come back to it, right? Um, I, I can't explain that. Number two is not all things get loaded in the cruise planner at the same time. So this isn't a bug. This is just the nature of the beast. Now, if you're seeing all shore excursions but not the one for, for one particular port, that sounds like a bug to me. I gotta think that. And my advice is give it a couple days. If you still don't, if you're seeing all the ports except for this one, that sounds like a bug. And then I would try calling them up and be like, hey. I was just curious about this. They may see something different in the system because it's just very odd that, again, all you know, like all the ports except for one would show up in the system. If you're not seeing any ports yet or no shore excursions, that's a different story. That just means you're too far away in order to see the excursions, and you should just keep waiting a little bit more. So I hope that answers your question there, uh, and I apologize for butchering the name of that particular city. I'm sure I did not get it right. <laughs> But I tried. I really did try. I did not resort to pausing and looking it up in Wikipedia on how to pronounce it because that would be cheating, my friends. And I try to be as honest as I can with my terrible pronunciations. (laughs) Next, we email from Beth Bean who writes, Hi Matt, just in case people are looking for Sweet Deck information, there are four cabanas on the Sweet Deck of Deck 17 on Oasis of the Seas that overlook the Solarium. I did see one that had a reserve sign on it, but the others were all available. The bar is almost always open and there's an outdoor shower. There are only a few spots in the shade. I wish I took more pictures, but there was so much to take in. I know I said this before, but your blog was a big help. We met a family who was from Australia and I told them about your blog and Pippa from Ocean Time. I really love the Oasis of the Seas and hope to go on her again Thank you. Beth, thank you for the email, and uh, thank you for the kind words, of course. And you're right about the cabana thing on the Oasis class. They have it on the sweet deck. These are all obviously for Grand Suite guests and above. There is these, I mean, they call it a cabana. It's not, I know what you're thinking. If you've seen the ones on Labadee or Coco K, it's not quite the same thing. It's more of a, um, how do I write it? Like a segregated air, walled off area in which you can basically have a little space for yourself. It's really nice from a lounging, relaxing standpoint. Um, the biggest issue I've always had with the Sweet Deck in general is that you you know it's right up there. You get a lot of direct sunlight, which is wonderful. But you know if you get if you want to cool off in the pool, it's kind of a you, know, you have to leave the the sun deck and then go down to the pool and then come back up. It's kind of a pain, you know. Um, but certainly from a from a reserved spot standpoint, it's wonderful. And these little cabanas, if you want to call them that, are really nice. It's, it's a really neat perk against only Oasis class ships. And what's not, again, it's about privacy and just having a little space for yourself. And being a sweet guest, it is a great thing to take advantage of. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know what, Beth, 
number one, I often forget that's a perk. And number two, you might not have known that this was a perk for Sweet Guest at all. I think probably the I, of all the times I've done Sweet experiences, whether it's on an Oasis or a Quantum Flash ship, I think I only made it up to the Sun Deck like after the second or third time because I didn't even realize that was a thing. So really good stuff. Our last email this week. I know it's our last one. Can you believe it? You're already, you're almost at work now, and here we are at the end of this episode. I think you're almost at work, unless you're listening to this episode in parts. Anyway, this doesn't make any sense, but anyway, let's wrap this up with an email from Kurt from Hollywood, Maryland. There's a Hollywood in Maryland? Who knew? Matt, I think you do a Facebook live stream on Tuesdays and Saturdays. I'm never sure what time they occur. What time are they, and do you have the days correct? Yes, you have the days correct. There is no set time, Kurt. And the reason being, because I never know what it is. One of the issues, and I struggle with this decision, Kurt, is that my schedule is such that I never can pick a particular time and be able to stay with it. And to me, like the worst thing I can tell you is, Kurt, it's always going to be at, you know, blank o'clock. And I show up and you show up to listen and I'm not there, regardless of what the reason is. There's, I can come up with lots of great excuses, right? Car broke down. Kids were annoying. I was eating dinner. I fell asleep. You know, I was booking another cruise, whatever. You know, it, it, it's a letdown, and I think it gives a bad experience. And I, th- quite frankly, I think people would stop tuning in if they just figured, well, there's no point. Matt doesn't really stick to the schedule all the time. That to me is a problem. So as a result, yes, I do it every Tuesday and Saturday, but I don't pick a time. That's partially because of my schedule. Number two, also, I think, quite frankly, it allows me to mix it up a little bit. So maybe one day I do it at seven o'clock p.m. on a Tuesday. And then another time, it's at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time or at 5 p.m., right? That allows different people to get in and enjoy it and be able to check us out live. One thing you can do, Kurt, of course, in your Facebook account, when you like Royal Caribbean on Facebook, which is Royal Caribbean blog on Facebook, you should like Royal Caribbean on Facebook too, but when you like Royal Caribbean blog on Facebook, is you can actually set up the notifications for that particular page and tell Facebook to notify you anytime I go live. And that way, at least it'll pop up on your phone. And if you're around, you can make it. That'd be great. Usually Tuesdays are in the evenings because I'm working in the daytime. I don't do it before work because I'm sleeping. <laughs> and then, you know, so in the evening, somewhere between 6 to 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time is the norm. Not always the case, but the norm. Saturdays are more of just a round robin. I like, I aim to do them in the morning. So, say, between 10 a.m. and noon Eastern Time. But uh, honestly, they're all over the place. I've done them in the evening. I've done them in the afternoon. It's... This is when notifications are a really important thing. Kurt says, I also have a technical question that maybe you will have an answer to because you are more advanced user than I. Uh, I have a Samsung phone and a Samsung TV. I really like to cast YouTube videos on the TV. Facebook videos appear to offer this uh, because the little casting icon in the top right corner. But in this case, the Facebooks only work on my Vizio TV in another room that's available. Any idea regarding what I'm missing? Seems to be something in Facebook settings, but I don't know what. Going on alert in a couple of days. Really enjoying the blog. Thanks. Great online community. No cranky folks, just helpful, fun-loving, positive people. I couldn't agree more. I'm so proud of the community we have here at RealCreamingBlog.com. You guys are awesome. I love the camaraderie. I love the helpfulness of it. The only people you guys will ever say anything mean to would be me, and I deserve it, so that's great. <laughs> All right, Kurt. Let's. Add, so how can you share the broadcast on the TV? I can certainly understand that. Basically, what Kurt wants to know is he's got his phone. He's watching it on Facebook, and he wants people to watch it on the TV because, quite frankly, it's a lot easier to watch it. Um, there is no easy answer, Kurt, because there's two issues at hand. One is your phone, and one is the the TV. Um, being an Android device, most new TVs have some sort of a proprietary software that allow you to stream to the TV. Like on Apple, 
it's called airtime right you can do this very easily between an apple device and a apple tv and basically all you're doing is you're sharing your screen i would look for that option rather than like a facebook option where you can basically you know what I would start out with is let's just share my my phone, like what it looks like, you know, all the apps listed over there, and just cast that, and then try to go into your Facebook and then watch the video that way. You might have better luck because if you can show what's on your screen just like regular, you got to think you're gonna be able to show the video. That should be no problem there at all. I do know in my experience, I'm not the I'm not the world's most advanced Android user. I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an iPhone kind of guy, but I'll tell you that I have found varying degrees of success depending on the particular Android device you have, number one, you should have the most up-to-date software. That'd probably be helpful. And number two, how old your TV is because they seem to, each TV seems to have its own piece of software that allows this and there's not like this unified approach. So again, it's kind of like one of those compatibility things. Almost look at it like donating blood. You can't just give anybody anybody's blood, right? It's got to be some compatibility issues to it. Same thing with Android. I know that's not the answer to look for necessarily, but what I would do, Kurt, honestly, is just Google your 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 manufacturer, which I think you said uh, Samsung TV. So Samsung, whatever model you have, share Android phone to screen or something like that. You'll find a lot of blog posts and YouTube videos, I'm sure, to help you uh, walk you through that process. But number one thing is make sure your, your, your phone is up to date with the latest version of Android. And number two is obviously your, your TV is as well. And then it's a matter of, everything pairing and, quite frankly, some voodoo on the sign with making sure the devices are compatible. Uh, being, a, being that you have a Samsung phone and a Samsung TV, it should work. i got to think that should work. It's just a matter of, again, I would try to share your device first rather than like, oh, Matt's on. Let me try sharing directly from the Facebook app into it. You know what I mean? Try starting out just with the phone and then going to the Facebook app. And that way, if you can see the screen, the home screen, you should be able to see the, the video as well. All right, a little nerdy discussion to end our, our episode on. But thank you guys for so much for the wonderful emails. I really love this. And, of course, if you want to send me your email, you can always do so by sending me an email to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next week, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again soon. <laughs>